you're listening to episode 43 of the Beauty Business Podcast with me, Adam Chatterley. I'm your host here on the show and I'm on a mission to help the independent businesses in the health, wellness and beauty industry to reach their business goals through simple, practical and focused business information. Now we're really all about the foundations here of building an incredible, rewarding, profitable and above all, stress-free beauty business. I want to help you make more money, have more time and enjoy what you do. Now, how are you doing today? I've literally just come back from dropping off my children at nursery and school and it's one of those beautiful autumn mornings that we get blessed with here in the UK at this time of year. It's cold, but not like bitterly cold. There's blue skies, the trees are every shade of red and brown and gold and green and because it was early when I dropped them off, the low sunrise was joining in on the action by giving everything a sort of autumnal photo shoot golden hue. It was absolutely beautiful. So I'm feeling great. I'm loving life. I'm loving the fact that I get to take my kids to school without panicking that I have to be sat down at a desk somewhere for bang on 9am or my boss will be after me. But that's why we're independent business owners, right? Okay, enough with the weather report and me waxing lyrical over here. Although, you know what? I am just going to while I'm talking to you, take a picture out the window of my office, just there we go. Uh, just to show you quite how beautiful my view is at the moment with all the trees and everything going on here from my office. I'll make sure I put it in the show notes pages if you want to check it out. Anyway, like I said at the end of last week's show, this week's episode is directly inspired by or in response to an email I received from a listener. Well, number of listeners really, but this one is the one that came in the most recently, so it's the one I'm crediting here. Now, that email was from Stephanie Lyon, and she said, Hi, Adam. Just wanted to say thank you for such a great podcast. You're welcome, Steph. I only found it a few days ago, so I'm listening to episodes from 2016, but already it's been really inspiring. I'm 29, and I have wanted to start my own clinic for some time now. I have a great support network of friends and colleagues who believe in me, which is awesome. The problem is I can't shake the fear. Fear of startup costs, fear of a huge loan, fear of bridging the financial gap between quitting my job and making profit, fear of finding clients, fear of managing a business with no experience. I'd love to hear an episode dedicated to starting up by yourself, featuring the ins and outs of the very first steps to take for those who, like me, have all the ideas, but also all the fear. Thanks again, Steph. So when I read this, and thank you, Steph, for reaching out like this, by the way, when I read the email, my first thought was, wow, that's a big old topic right there. In fact, it's pretty much the reason for this podcast, for my website, for the courses, for the coaching, in fact, everything that I really do. Oh, and I hope you listened to last week's episode, Steph, about imposter syndrome. You may now have made it onto maybe the 2017 episodes, but it's worth checking that episode out as I speak specifically about fear and how you could not only manage it, but actually harness it to push you forward. But as to the main request of your email, I realized actually I've never done a specific what would I do if I was just starting out episode. And of course, things change over time. So I thought, fantastic, let's do it. However, I had two main problems when I was planning out this episode. Number one, I like to make each episode valuable for all listeners. So how was I going to do that and speak just to those that were starting out? And number two, there's like 20 different things that I could talk about for brand new salon owners, brand new solo therapists and indie spa owners. So how do I not make the episode five hours long? So when it came to that second problem, what I did was I sat down and I thought long and hard about just the seven things that I think 
anyone who's starting out should be doing, but focusing on the things that may be overlooked or ignored by beauty business owners that if you would do and if you could do from day one will have a huge impact on your success and indeed the speed of your success. And I tried to narrow that list down to to just these. And that actually helped solve the first problem because those items that I settled on when I looked at them again were actually still great advice for any independent beauty business owner, no matter where they are on their journey. Now, if you're already doing these, then great. Let's check that you're doing them right. And if you aren't doing them, then it's the perfect time to start. Now, just because you haven't maybe done these from day one, the day you started, doesn't mean you can't start right now and still see results and benefits right away. So who's ready to get into my list of seven things to do from day one or from right now to speed you to success in your beauty business? Cue the theme tune. Okay, so depending on what size of business you've started, that you're about to start or you're already running, you may have had to apply for some sort of business loan or funding or grant or investment or some way of raising the money that you needed to get up and running. Now, if that's the case, then more than likely you will have been asked to put together a business plan. Now, if, however, you've what they call bootstrapped your transition to the world of running your own business, i.e. you started small or you saved up your own money or you borrowed some cash from a family member or in some other way essentially funded yourself to get started, then you probably haven't created a business plan. But in either case, I highly recommend that you do create a business plan that works for you. Why? Because I've seen this happen time and time and time again. A business with a plan knows what they are aiming for, and they get there. It might take a bit longer than hoped. Things might change along the way. It might even happen quicker than planned. But the point is that right from the start, you've got an idea of what you're actually aiming to do in your business. Think about it like this. Running your own business is a lot like going on a really long journey. It might be by car, by train, by plane, or a number of different forms of transport, but there's going to be delays along the way, there's going to be unforeseen issues, there's going to be bumps in the road, cancellations, all of these different things. But if you were about to set off on a big journey, would you do so without knowing where you were heading for? Now, even if you weren't sure of your ultimate destination, you'd still know where you were aiming to get to like first or maybe even second, right? Now, that's really all a business plan is. It's a written down, thought out destination guide. It's where you're wanting to get to either ultimately or just to start off with in your business. Now, it needs to have a measurable target, ideally one that could be broken down into milestones or mini targets along the way, heading you towards your larger target. And, and this is key, it needs to have a time frame applied to it. So my number one tip for those starting out is no matter how you are getting started, have a business plan. Now, going back for a second to anyone that raised finance from any sort of official source like a bank or a grant or funding or an investment company, like I said, chances are that you were asked to put together a business plan. And for these organizations, they like to see a very much more formal business plan laid out in a very particular way with very specific sections containing very specific information. Now, you may have even been given a very, very long document or a form to fill in with this information so that they had all the numbers and all the information that they needed to decide whether to invest in you or to lend you the money. So in this case, technically, 
you do have a business plan. But because these documents are written to someone else's specification and requirements, I often find that these are not much use to the independent business owner themselves, especially in the more creative world of beauty, spa and wellness. Now, lots of figures and margins and percentages and whatnot are possibly not how you think. We do need numbers somewhere along the line because they are measurable and trackable, but perhaps we can take that more formal document and alter it to make more sense and mean a little bit more to you. For example, any structured business plan is going to ask you to project your turnover, your earnings and your profit for the first year of business after three years, after five years and possibly even after 10 years. Now, presumably, if you filled in this form, you base this information on something. But what makes more sense to you? If it's a figure, is it profit, which can actually be quite a tricky thing to pin down? Or is it simply turnover? Or at its most simple, is it just money going into your till? Now, can you relate it to more something even more obvious, like, say, a certain number of clients in a day, in a week or in a month, rather than just a cold, hard financial figure? My point here is that even if you can just you know, tick that box of saying, yes, I have a business plan, does it actually make sense to you? Does it get you excited when you think about actually achieving it? And if not, then by all means, take the information that you have and recreate it simply and in a way that does get you excited. Now, it can even be on a one-page business plan. That's actually the, the best way to go with just the key metrics on it. In fact, I'd encourage you to do that anyway, because for this purpose, the more simple, the better. Now, if you bootstrapped your new business or you're already in business, then create your own one-page business plan. If you're really stuck about what to put on there, here's a few ideas. Now, you could have a target turnover figure. Now, you get extra points here if you can break that target down into a target treatment turnover figure and a target retail turnover figure, or basically how much money you plan to take in treatments and services and how much money you plan to take in retail or product sales. Now, you could also have a target client base figure. Now, this is going to be your overall number of returning clients, and it's important to target this because you want to make sure that you've got enough clients coming in to hit any financial targets that you have. Plus, you always need to make sure that you've got new clients coming in to replace the ones that you will inevitably lose. And you need to make sure that those new clients are coming back again. More on this later. You could also have a target utilization figure. Now, I'm getting a bit more complicated here, but utilization is basically a fancy measure of how busy you are, specifically how busy you are generating income, not just how well you can fill your time in a day. And again, I'm going to be explaining a bit more about this later on. And finally, you could have a target review number or rating. Now, this isn't quite as tangible as a turnover profit or utilization figure, but Good reviews are a measure of quality. And if this appeals to you a bit more than just a financial target, then go for it. Now, there are any number of targets that you can have for your one page business plan. And don't worry if it's more than one page. That's not the end of the world. The point is that they are written down, actually written down on paper or on a document somewhere so that you can go back and look at them. They need to also be easily measurable. And by that, I mean, without any sort of ambiguity or guesswork, you need to be able to say, yeah, that is absolutely the case. That was that number on that particular day. That's the number we're going with. And they also need to be for a specific time frame or done by a certain date. That way, again, you'll know black and white, you'll know what the figure is, and you'll know that it was absolutely achieved or not achieved 
by the date you were aiming for. Now, the reason they need to have that set date is so that you can measure how well you were doing before you actually reach the date so that adjustments and improvements can be made along the way in advance. There's no point in setting yourself a target of hitting, say, £100,000 in turnover in a year to find that after those 12 months, you missed it by miles or worse, missed it by a tiny amount. Okay, maybe not worse, but it'd be really annoying. But what I'm saying is that if you set your 12-month target in your business plan of putting, say, £100,000 through your till, then this can be broken down into monthly targets. You could choose to do this equally. For example, 100000 divided by 12 is £8,333 per month if you were to do it you know, evenly. Or you could start off lower in your first few months and ramp it up over the year as it goes on. It doesn't matter, but that one-year goal can become monthly or even weekly goals that you can track to see how much you are on course to reach your destination. If you start to fall behind, you will know quickly and you can adjust what you're doing. You can adjust your course to make sure you stay on track. Now, my second piece of advice is simply to have goals. Hold on there, Adam. I can hear you thinking it. Aren't goals just the same as a business plan? Well, possibly. Now, it is possible that your business plan contains your goals for your business for sure. But I often find that people's reasons for starting out their business are not purely financial. It might be to create more of a work-life balance. It might be simply to create something, to help people, to have control, all sorts of things. But your business plan is there really for the health of your business. And rightly or wrongly, that is largely going to come down to money at the end of the day. Money, just like your business plan, should be easily measurable, which is great. But what about if your own personal goals for your business or for yourself because of your business are a little less easily measurable, certainly not you know, trackable along the way? Or maybe it's to have a certain amount of time away from work in a week. Maybe it's for an amount of time off in a year to travel. Maybe it's to impact your local community. A fantastic friend of mine in the industry over in California had a key component of being able to help the homeless people in her area when she was starting out on her own business journey, which is fantastic. So maybe your goal is to even step away from doing treatments yourself to maybe pass on your knowledge to others, to spend time training your team members. It could be anything but your goals do tend to be more personal. Your goals are different to your targets because generally speaking, you only know you've achieved your goals when you've actually achieved them. So sure, your business plan and your targets can definitely lead towards your goals, but there is that subtle difference between the two. So your goals tend to be your why. You've probably heard this if you've listened to pretty much any inspirational speaker or business advisor or coach or whatever over the last few years, that you need to have a why if you're going to succeed. And to a large extent, this is true. Now, you need to have that why for those cold mornings when you haven't slept, when you just want to hide in bed. And it's the thing that is so important to you. Your why is the thing that is so important to you that you get up, you get dressed and you get on with building your amazing business because it's so important to you. So, have a business plan, have those targets, but also have goals or even just one goal as well. Next, my third piece of advice is really kind of linked back to number one, and it's to know and track your numbers. Now, you know me, I'm all about metrics, I'm all about KPIs and analyzing your business to help you grow it faster. But I recognize that I'm a bit of a nerd. All right, a lot of a nerd, and not everyone is like me. However, it is crucially important that you measure things in your business. Why? Because what gets measured gets managed, as they say. So what do you measure? 
Well, obviously, if you have set a particular target in your business plan, then you should be measuring for that for sure. This is likely to be something, like I've said, like turnover, gross profit, something like that. But there are a couple of other things I would highly recommend that you know and you measure right from day one in your business or tomorrow if you have your business already. Now, on top of that list is to know your true cost price for all your treatments and services. Now, the reason I say true cost price is that you will hear a number of different explanations of what cost price is depending on who you're speaking to. But true cost price, however, is basically what it costs you to deliver a treatment or service, including not only the product cost, but wage costs, overheads, everything. But why is it important to know your true cost price? Well, two reasons mainly. One, it informs you about whether your prices, that's the prices you charge for your services, whether they're right. More about this later. And two, it tells you the absolute lowest price that you can sell any of your treatments at before it starts costing you money to deliver that treatment. Now, I don't have the time to run through today how to calculate this in detail, but I have done in another episode of the podcast, and I'll put a link to that uh, in the show notes with a timestamp as well. Now, I see too many salon owners that are just starting out offering ridiculous prices and discounts to simply be busy in their salon. Now, while there is an argument for special offers to bring in new clients, there does come a point where you'd be better spending your time, say, on marketing than delivering a treatment that's actually costing you money. Knowledge, as they say, is power. And this is one bit of knowledge that you absolutely must have about your business. And the next thing to measure is your new client retention levels. Now, that's a fancy way of saying how many of your new clients come back again. Now, this is important because it tells you whether there's a mismatch between what you think your service levels and your offerings are and what your clients are actually experiencing. Now, if at least 60% of your new clients, that's six out of every 10 new clients, if at least 60% are only visiting you once, then something isn't quite right. Now, it could be that you're not attracting the right clients. It could be that there's a problem in your business that you aren't aware of. It could be that there are problems with your systems, with your procedures, with your price lists, emails, something. But if you're measuring this on a monthly basis, then you're going to discover the signs of a problem right away and be able to find it and fix it quickly before it becomes a major issue. Now, the next thing I would track is your utilization levels. Now, I mentioned this a bit earlier, and it's basically a measure of how busy you are and it's important, even if you work on your own, to understand how much time you're spending on things that are earning you money. But it's possibly even more important if you have any sort of team, even just one other person. Now, I prefer to measure this as a percentage of overall time worked. And this is because it allows you to compare one staff member with another or one week of work with another because people may work different numbers of hours to each other. So you can compare members of staff or you might work more hours one week than another yourself. So measuring this as a percentage allows you to compare apples with apples, as they say. Now, if you have any sort of booking software or management software in your salon, clinic or spa, then it will very much be able to produce this information for you. So all you have to do is just track it on a weekly basis. If you don't have software yet, then I would probably add that as another essential tip when starting out. But if you want to calculate this manually, then simply divide the number of hours in a week spent performing treatments by the total number of hours worked in that week and then multiply that by 100 to get a percentage. If anyone would like a bit more help on this, then just message me in the Facebook group, Beauty Business Hackers, and maybe we'll do a, a quick Facebook Live session on it to make sure everyone's 100% clear. Now, finally, so as not to overwhelm you, 
Just one other thing that I would measure and target yourself on from day one would be treatment to retail percentage, or basically how much you're taking in retail sales compared to treatment sales. Now, again, this is a percentage so that you can compare different members of staff or different weeks or months more easily. So let's say uh, in a certain week, you've performed £1,000 worth of treatments and sold £150 worth of retail products. Then your treatment to retail percentage would be 15% because you've sold 15% of your uh, treatment revenue in retail products, which is under £50. Basically, you take the retail sales and divide it by the treatment sales and then multiply it by 100 to get the percentage. Now, again, if you have any sort of software to help you with bookings and payments, then it will likely be able to give you this information in a report. But even from day one, you want to be aiming for a minimum of 20% treatment to retail sales. Why? Because retail is the key to increasing your earnings without actually creating any additional work. You can only perform so many treatments in a day, no matter how many hours you work, even if you sort of, you know, worked 15 hours, you could still only perform so many treatments in that time. But if you focus on your retail sales, then this really isn't particularly affected by the number of hours in a day. It takes pretty much the same time to sell a single retail item to a client as it does to sell 10 items to that same client. All right, a few seconds more to put them through the till, but you get the idea. Now, while we're on the subject of getting started out the right way and setting yourself up for success, I'd like to do something a little bit different here. Now, if you listen to the show regularly, you'll know that around this point in an episode, there's usually a quick sponsor spot, or at least there has been for the last couple of seasons of the podcast. However, today, I'm sponsoring the show. Wait, what? Yep. Recently, I've kind of accidentally created a new product working with a few students and clients, which at the moment I'm calling Strategy. Now, it's kind of a hybrid of coaching and consultancy. It's all rolled into one, allowing me to work one-to-one with people just like you to deliver focused and fast results in your business. So why accidentally and why hybrid? Well, I've done coaching and consultancy in various forms for years now, but if you've never experienced one or the other, then to compare them very, very simply, coaching can deliver incredible results because it works on you. It works on your mindset, on your skills, on your goals, on your beliefs. Now that sort of work is truly transformationally powerful because you take the coaching and then you apply it to everything you do. And from there, amazing things happen. However, the onus is very much on you. You do the work, you make the changes, and your coach works on you and then you do the rest. Now consultancy, on the other hand, is great because you bring in an expert to work on your business pretty much for you. Consultancy can fix a specific problem or multiple problems, but it's generally limited to a particular focus area. However, the work is largely done for you. So both coaching and consultancy have a place, and I enjoy doing both. Coaching definitely is the more powerful of the two in the longer term. However, I find that independent salon owners, spa owners, and clinic owners, especially those that are just starting out, need the coaching, but don't actually have the time to do the work needed to make the most from it. So I decided to offer a couple of my existing clients and a few listeners to the podcast, actually, a chance to try something new. Coaching, where I focus on them and their specific issues that they're having in their business on a one-to-one basis, but then me and my team do a large part of the actual work required to fix it all the while relating it back to the shifts in beliefs and understanding that the business owner or you need to make to maintain it. So if the work of coaching is done by you, 
and the work of consultancy is done for you, then strategy, as I'm calling it for now, is very much done with you. Now, right now, the clients and the students that I have going through this are loving it and seeing some fantastic results already. But this is very much sort of a, a beta test group to see how everything kind of works out. Now, I'm enjoying it too, uh, working again one-to-one -one with people. And it just so happens that I've done the maths and I have the time to take on just a small number of additional salon owners at this point in time. Now, there is a cost to strategy. I'm not going to say what it is just now, but let me tell you, it is quite frankly ridiculous priced compared to the results that we're looking at. And I'm pretty sure from the new year, I'm gonna be increasing this price rapidly. But if you're interested in working with me, one-to-one, -one, letting me coach you to reaching your goals more quickly and having then my team do some of the kind of the grunt work for you, then please get in touch with me. Um, email me at adam at salonbusinesssecrets.com or simply message me via the Facebook page or the Facebook group and let me know that you're interested in finding out more about strategy and I'd love to work with you. Okay, sponsor bit done, back to the episode. So my fourth piece of advice for those starting out is to not waste time on social media. <gasps> what is he saying? Well, I am not saying don't do social media. I'm simply saying don't waste your time. Now, social media can be great for helping you build a brand, connect with your clients, bring in new clients and retain clients as well as promote your treatment offers and all those kind of things. But it can also be a black hole of time for new business owners. One minute, you're just checking your Facebook messages to make sure you've got back to people. And then before you know it, 45 minutes have gone by because you were scrolling through your feed. Now, there is a ton of advice out there about social media, how to do it well, how to get the most out of it. And to be honest, just researching this can eat up your time, but it can be a great way to connect with people. So when it comes to your business, have a plan, even a simple posting schedule and then stick to it. And the simplest of these, and this is how I started to get actual results with social media in my business, is to, at the beginning of the month, sit down, map out the posts you want to make for that month. Don't kill yourself. Don't listen to these people who are saying you need to post 10 times a day. So don't overcommit. Just do one post a day, one planned post a day on the days that you're open is fine for now. Make things even easier on yourself by having a posting schedule, okay? So for example, on a Monday, you post out a client testimonial. On a Tuesday, you always post a beauty tip based on whatever it is that you do. On Wednesday, you always answer a client question. On Thursday, you have a quiz, okay? You get the idea. If you come up with a schedule and then you plan out your post at the beginning of the month, then you use some social media scheduling software to preload all those posts in advance, and then you limit yourself to just 20 minutes of social media time in your business day, trust me, if you do that, I have just saved you around three hours per week. Guarantee it. Now, my next tip is to get some help. No, I don't think you're having a mental breakdown just yet. and You may not be ready to take on another team member in your salon, but you're a business owner now and you need to think a little bit differently. So there's some tasks that you think you should do but that really don't have to be done by you. And for a very small amount of money, yes, this does involve spending a bit of money, you can get those tasks done for you to allow you to focus on your business and making more money. Now, it doesn't even have to be directly in your business either. For example, you could pay for that supermarket delivery season ticket so that you get your shopping delivered to you at home, okay? That's 30 minutes to a couple of hours in the supermarket every week that you just saved. You could hire a cleaner at home for a small amount of money. 
there's another couple of hours. So just those two things there. Let's say they save you on average three hours a week and it costs you £30 to do that per week or $40 per week to get a cleaner and to have your groceries delivered. Okay. In those three hours, couldn't you make way more money in your business working with clients than it would cost you to pay for those things? Does that make sense? Now, another great thing to do here is to hire a virtual assistant. Now, if this is sounding like, whoa, what the heck is he talking about? Then stick with me. You can hire a virtual assistant, which is a real person, but one that works over the internet to do work for you in your business that doesn't need to be done by you. This could be things like social media posting, making bookings, writing blog posts, doing your website design, uh, responding to calls, responding to messages and emails, moving bookings around, getting back to clients, all sorts of things. And you can hire someone for just a few pounds or just a few dollars per hour. Now, you need to think like a business owner now. How can you free up your valuable time so you can work more in your business or on your business by getting tasks done for you at a much lower cost. Now, to prove this to you, I actually have two VAs myself. I've not really introduced you to them before, but their names are Jibril and June, and they're both based in the Philippines. Now, in fact, June looks after pretty much all of my social media. She helps me write articles, write copy, write podcast episodes. She does the research and looks after the day-to-day goings-on in my Facebook groups. Now, Jib is responsible for actually producing this podcast episode each week. Everything after me sitting here and recording the episode is all done by him. And pretty much any of the artwork that you've seen from me over the past year, either online, on social media, workbooks at events, um, presentations I've given, even the redesign of my website, that's all been done by Jib. Now, I'm sorry, you can't have my VAs, but I'll put some resources out in the show notes about this for this episode if you're interested in finding out more about hiring your own virtual assistant and how you actually go about doing it. Now, moving on to my sixth piece of advice, and that's to get visible. Now, if you are brand new business or a recent business, then new clients are simply not going to just fall into your lap or just, you know, wander through your door. They might start to come in, you know, when you've just started out because they're curious and want to check you out, but you're going to need a constant supply of clients. And while social media and advertising is great for this, nothing beats getting out and about in your local area for getting results and getting results quickly. You know, sitting in your salon for hours crafting a beautiful Facebook post is all well and good, but wouldn't you be better getting out there and meeting people and talking to them, networking and speaking to other local businesses, striking up relationships and getting people in the door? Sorry, it's time to step out of your comfort zone. You're a business owner now and you're responsible for hitting those targets in your business plan and for achieving your goals. And if you thought just making the leap to open up on your own was the difficult bit, you were wrong. Now, this is a huge part of my 99 clients in 33 days course and way too much to go into detail here, but try to figure out where your type of clients might visit in your local area. What other businesses might they use? Where might they shop? Where might they eat? All of these things. Then go to those businesses, meet the owners, meet the managers, meet the staff. Can you offer any sort of referral deal? Can you get them into your business for a treatment to show them exactly what it is that you do so that they can talk about it to their clients Um, ask for their advice. Every little bit helps. So go on, get out there and do it. And finally, I know I've thrown a lot at you um, and I go on about this a lot, but please, please, please get your prices right. 
This may be my seventh piece of advice here on the episode, but it's the number one thing that I wish I could get every single salon owner to do. Part of this is very much linked to my advice earlier to know your true cost price, but I believe, in fact, I know that beauty salon owners, independent therapists and spa owners are not maximizing their revenue by pricing their treatments correctly. Now, I have a whole article and a podcast series all about this, showing you that just a 5% improvement in your pricing can lead to a 30% minimum increase in your profits pretty much overnight. So to put that in context, what does 5% look like? Well, for most treatments, it's going to be way under £2 or $2. So I'm not talking about massive changes. So this could be very easily lead to, like I said, a minimum of 30% more profit in your business. Think about that. 30% more money for you for doing exactly the same amount of work as you are right now. Surely that's worth taking a bit of time to look at, right? Now, again, I'm going to put the links to the other podcast episodes about pricing and raising your prices in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at beautybusinesspodcast.com forward slash episode 43. Phew. There you go. Honestly, it was tough. I had to rein myself into just those seven things, but I truly believe that these are overlooked, don't take a huge amount of time or work, and are definitely easier to put into place when you're just starting out than further down the line when you've got everything else going on. And that's if you make it that far. And sadly, not everyone does. And I don't want you to go out of business. More than anything, I want you to succeed in your business. So put these seven things in place in your business, even if you've been going for some time. If you're not doing these things, then start now. You and your business will thank me for it, I promise. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A little bit more back to my normal style after last week's episode. And I'd like to say a huge thank you to everyone who sent me emails and messages after last week's episode telling me that they too struggle with imposter syndrome in one form or another. And until listening to that episode, either they didn't know what it was or didn't know that it was something that everyone struggles with and is perfectly normal. So thank you so much to all of you who got in touch with me. If you did enjoy that episode or this one, please let me know by leaving me a very quick review on iTunes. Now you can do that by clicking on the link in the show notes page or just in your podcast application if you're listening on your phone. Now at this point, I usually read out a review from a listener, but this week I'd like to do something a little bit different. Now, given that today's episode was directly inspired by one of you wonderful listeners out there, I'd like to take this opportunity to ask you to tell me what it is that you need help with right now. I'm serious. It's made a huge difference knowing that I'm doing an episode that many of you have asked for because I know it's going to help people straight away. So if you have a challenge, a struggle, or just a set of questions, send me an email to adam at salonbusinesssecrets.com and let me know what you would like to hear an episode on. Okay, I think that's plenty from me for today. Don't forget, if you'd like to find out more about my brand new strategy coaching slash consultancy package and work with me one-to-one -one for, quite frankly, a ridiculous price, then drop me an email or a message on Facebook and either me or one of my team will get back to you with more information. Okay, that's it from me for now. Speak to you again next week.